0: Welcome to the Milk Digest podcast brought to you by the Royal Association of British Dairy Farmers. I'm Sarah Alderton and together with RABDF's managing director Matt Knight, we will be speaking to George Gordon from Specialist Dairy Recruiter LKL about the challenges of finding labor on dairy farms and possible solutions. So, we're recording this podcast following the news earlier this month that from next year, access to foreign labor will be restricted when the points-based immigration system is implemented. With an estimated 15% of the dairy workforce made up of foreign labour and with very little time to adapt, it comes as a huge blow to the industry. So with only a few months left until Jan 2021, the industry really needs to start looking at ways it can recruit more workers as well as retaining staff. George, I don't know if you can kick us off by telling us why there's an issue recruiting labour on dairy farms in the first
1: place. It's always been tough to find good people for dairy farms the nature of the job etc has meant that that's always been the case and i think probably the issue has been for the last 20 years it's been a struggle to recruit enough good uk people and the industry has looked to the wider europe situation and particularly at assistant level we have found over the past 20 years particularly the last 10 um and that would be mirrored by the rabdf surveys on this subject Bigger dairy units have looked more and more to Eastern European uh, countries for their labour at the system level. It initially was Poland, then when Romania and the other countries came on rather later, I would say for the last ten years it's been predominantly Romanian workers that have come to the UK. And we've been, you know, we have recruited some fantastic people. They've been a real asset to our industry um, and they will be sorely missed. When we move into the new era, which uh, appears to be ahead of us after the first of January, when they won't be able to to come and fill the assistant dairy positions within the industry.
0: So, George, as a recruiter and provider of dairy workers onto dairy farms, um, how do you? I mean, how? What percentage of workers that you're putting on farm would be made up of the Eastern Europeans?
1: Possibly nationwide, it might be as high as a third um Nationally within the industry, it's not that high. Probably more like fifteen percent. Although I don't think there's any definitive figures on this. But they are—they have been an important safety valve. And w- without them, you know, some particularly big units uh, could have been, and possibly in the future, could face animal welfare issues if we don't have enough people to to care for the cows that we've got.
2: Mm. George, thanks for joining for uh, joining with us today. It's really appreciated, and I know. Yourself and everyone at RABDF are kind of kindred spirits on this because we've been working on this issue for, like you say, a long time. And like RABDF's first survey in, when thinking back, 2014 highlighted the issue. That was the first time we actually went out in the industry. and industry. I think we got something like over 250 respondents, um, and 52% of those were farms with over 200 cows upwards. And you're dead right, you know, that looking at the findings in front of me, 32% of those respondents employed overseas labour predominantly from Poland and Baltic states. I think something along the lines of over half of them were recruiting them direct as well. You know, it was it was sons or daughters of someone that's been working on the farm before or someone or going to um, contacts they had in the village where they, where they came over. And, and interestingly, that demographics changed a little bit in terms of where they were heralding from. So, in two thousand and sixteen, when we did our second survey, um, you know, you, you mentioned Romania coming in, and we were seeing a big theme of Romanians um, coming over to work. But what the, the telling stat is actually fifty-one percent of the industry relied on overseas labour. So it had come up from something like thirty-two to to fifty-one. So the reliance reliance was um, was increasing. We haven't gone out and um, seen a reliance to. Uh, Present to it, but I know there's a lot, a big concern about access to overseas labour, and I know you've been working really hard on this area as we have as well.
1: I was part of the group that that presented to the Migration Advisory Committee to try and get across to them the importance of those to the dairy sector, um, and also obviously there's been a lot of lobbying to go on the shortage of occupation list, um, sadly all
2: without success. Yeah, but um, yeah, they are a vital component, and the one that's going to be sorely missed. Do you think they've underestimated the skill level of the individuals that have been coming from overseas working here? Absolutely. And I I take
1: huge issue with this blanket phrase skilled worker. Um, it, it, it's it's an insult to the people that have come here. We have we've got a supply chain with a Romanian regional manager and, and, and a team that recruit in Romania, and they they recruit for aptitude work ethic, attitude. If they come here with those attributes, they're a success. And this idea that somebody, you know, I've got plenty of examples of people who have come who would fail the test for the future. They wouldn't be deemed to be a skilled worker. And yet they're going to be in management positions within the dairy sector and vital herd managers of the future. And we're just writing those off. Um, This this idea that some workers are skilled and some are unskilled is, is just a black and white oversimplification of the truth. And I think if you talk to dairy farmers, they would tell you every time, give me somebody who's got the work ethic and the attitude, and if they've got that, we can work with them and we can make them a success in dairy farming. The new delineations just completely miss the point on those areas. You know, we're asking staff to turn up at four or five in the morning every day, and you know put a huge commitment in. And I think just think I just don't think we're measuring those metrics in the right way just expand on that and say that when people come here with the right work ethic and attitude the skills that they pick up in cow management are picked up very quickly you know within weeks and months they are trimming cows feet they're going on ai courses they're doing all these things they're picking up the skills very quickly
2: and you, you i mean a couple of minutes ago you used the phrase you know animal welfare you know the animal welfare levels that we have here are extremely high extremely high and you know one of the best worldwide in my opinion and anything that is done to affect that is is surely a big negative to our industry
1: absolutely and i think i'm you know i'm particularly worried about some of the big units that are most reliant on on that labor and if that suddenly the source of new people is suddenly shut off face um real welfare problems i think it's a shame we weren't given a transition period and that, and that this is if we're going off a cliff into this new situation if we'd had a transition period or a period, just time to adapt if they'd allow us to be on the shorter occupation list perhaps for two or three years to let us find new ways there's a huge amount of work to be done if we're going to atr- attract UK people to take up all these assistant during person positions um, and we're just not being given that adjustment time as an industry
0: why is it that we struggle to recruit homegrown dairy
1: workers? It's a number of issues, but we've just had at least a decade of full employment in the country. Other industries com- have competed very strongly against us, and there are, in many cases, industries offering nine to five hours, Monday to Friday working conditions. There's been a mismatch in some cases between the aspiration, perhaps, of the younger generation and, and what is required. You know by the dairy sector to you know to, to, to make cows get milked first thing in the morning and at the other end of the day and on Sundays etc etc. These are some of the issues that we're that we're dealing with. However, there's a lot of positives to working in dairy farming and we have to look at ourselves. I think we haven't done a very good marketing job. We're a very secure industry in terms of the job security or all the time that people want a bit of milk in their cup of tea and on their cornflakes, we're in business, and you know we're not we're not a luxury purchase. These jobs are not going away, um, and we need to tell young people this and shout it from the rooftops. We also need to explain to them that most of these jobs come with accommodation, and other industries aren't offering that. So we have got a marketing job to do, and a lot of messages to get across um, as we, you know, compete for talent here. Uh, to fill these positions going forward, George,
2: these, these positions are are pretty well paid as well, aren't they? You know, good positions, like you said, with accommodation on site. I mean, just to underline the severity of of the problem. And George, I know that you know these stats. In fact, I'll probably come out now. Is in two thousand and seventeen, RABDF did did our white paper that we supplied to DEFRA and the Home Office, and we worked with youGov. So we asked X amount of um, people that, UK residents that needed a job, would you be interested in dairy farming? And 11% uh, put their hands up saying, yeah, I'd give that a go. Then we told them a bit more about what the job entailed. So working with animals, you know, unsociable um, hours, uh, remote working, working with machinery and so on. Um, And when they heard about about the main six facets, you know, those arms of 11% went down to about circa 4%. So there's, like, there's a fundamental problem of how people perceive a job on the dairy farm. So George is dead right about we've got to market ourselves. But I guess the thing is, who is going to help us do that or who's going to lead the way?
1: Um, I, it's probably a joint effort. We probably need the RABDF, the NFU, other industry bodies, maybe even the dairy sector in terms of milk buyers and others to put some resources behind it. I mean, in, in our own way, we're, we're trying to make we're involved with a filmmaking company about making a video uh, about working in the dairy sector. We actually stopped advertising completely in our Romanian supply chain after we made a, re- a professional video with a film company about working in the UK. And that via um, YouTube and new media completely took over and became our recruit- one of our main recruitment tools. So I think we, we need to be putting all those things together in the UK context, but it, yeah, it needs resources. It needs a bit of leadership. Um, It's not for one company to do. Uh, It's gonna have to be an industry-wide effort. Collaboration. Yeah, I I think also colleges need to have a think about what the industry needs and what its requirements are. Um, There can be a temptation, I think, just to sort of try and keep courses full, but uh, they need to be looking and saying, well, where are the shortages within agriculture? What should we be helping to address? Where where are the pinch points?
2: Yeah, yeah, I like I like that answer. And um, you know, I mean, the dates I've mentioned here, 2014, when we started working on this issue, there's there, we're going through a bit of a transition now of informing and influencing on the issue and trying to um, guide government to the to the end game of what we need, which is access to this. Now, day by day and week by week, that's starting to feel that you know, we're not going to get this access. There's, there's potentially not a, an 11th hour reprieve on the cards. So, you know, we're already at our ABDF trying to find the solutions there and so on. And, you know, we, we've we got a great course, Entrepreneurs in Dairying, but that's more focused on someone starting their own dairy business, producing and so on. So it's not looking at the specific roles. There are going to be thousands
1: of dairy assistant positions to fill. We probably need to come down at a lower level. I would say some more like uh, we need to. Dairy farmers need to be willing to give people taster sessions. You know, if there is somebody willing to have a go, then let them come in and do some afternoon milkings, have a taster session for dairy. we have probably got to be realistic. Most people will take a close look and say that's not for me, for a myriad of reasons, which we've already touched on. But some will, some will come, try it, like it, and will be our workers of the future. So, um, but I think we've all got part to play in taster sessions and helping people retrain from other industries you know people uh, i've worked with some people who've leaving the forces come out of the army um, and and come to work for me Um, they've been very successful in some cases Um, we're going to have to attack this from a whole load of angles there is not one silver bullet solution out there uh, to for the scale of this problem we're going to have to try and take a bite out of it from all sorts of different angles
0: and what about the role of apprenticeships? Do you think that's something we need to be looking more at?
1: Uh, yes, I do. Um, we, from, For many, many years, um LKL's run apprenticeship programmes and they've been very successful. What I would say is it's, it, it's not without difficulties bringing 16 to 19-year-olds onto a dairy farm. It, it has issues. People need to think about that quite carefully, um, plan the hours, not to overwork, People of that age just needs a bit of careful management about how you adapt your business to to integrate a teenager into it. You've got to think about how far they are from home, where they are with driving, all sorts of issues. But yes, we need apprenticeship programmes. It's been frustrating to us because we ran a specialist dairy apprenticeship for many years and would like to get back to that again. But the rules keep changing. The college we worked with uh, wasn't able to keep offering that. It, it has been difficult, but we'd very much like to get that rolling again and to have a sort of a you know a right straight from school kind of entry route into the industry. Health and safety, again, go back to sixteen to nineteen year olds. We're the most dangerous industry in the country and that needs careful consideration and the right equipment and you know protective clothing, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah, it's like it's a huge it's a huge thing to administer, isn't it? Really, you know, it's got to be done correctly, like you say, like a almost like a slow integration, not to kill the passion of young people. You
1: mustn't, you know, overwork them, and they'll just burn out and walk away from it. It's, it needs to be done professionally, and carefully, but when we have done it very successfully, um, and and got some great young people in. It, it again, it, it's going to be one of the the tools to to take another bite out of the size of the problem that we've got.
0: I mean, is there anything that dairy farmers uh, can be doing themselves to try and make the workplace more attractive?
1: Definitely. Um, there's a, a whole host of things that I think we've got, to, we've got to come in here, all kind of under the topic of retention, which is a big hobby horse of mine, um, because we have got thousands of really good people in dairy farming now. Let's let's start this off by retaining them and hanging on to them. Let's let's manage them correctly. In many cases, we lose staff for no other reason than they've been poorly managed. And you know, the people managing staff need to have some training. They need to develop their listening skills. They need to develop their people management skills. Um, there's a there's a whole host of things we do. I think we need even little things that seem trivial, but you know, better on big units. There should be a nice restroom somewhere to have a coffee. And a laugh afterwards. You know, just the whole working environment. We've got to think about hours. We've got to think about days off. I think, in many cases, the industry is moving forwards. So we are slowly giving staff more and more days off, but we've got a way to go to catch up with the industries we're competing against on that front. Um, and we, we need to do a dozen different things to modernize working hours and conditions. But we're going to have to do them if we're going to not just recruit, but retain long-term good people. There are definitely higher expectations of younger generations. They're aware of the conditions in other industries. They're aware of what other people offer. um, And that's who we've got to compete for.
0: Do you think there's enough career progression within a dairy farm?
1: I think that can be a problem. We're, We're quite a flat structure of an industry with several thousand dairy farms. So it can be an issue. I think, again, it needs some thought. I think we need some imaginative solutions in the way that New Zealanders have given their high flyers the opportunity to get into share milking. I think um, profit shares, equity shares will be the right thing for some high-flying herd managers to retain them within businesses. And elsewhere, we need training programmes. Um, LKL, we're in our 11th year of running the Dairy Management Academy programme which we launched uh, with PROMAR 11 years ago, and we've put well over 100 graduates through that. We call it Managers of the Future. But you know, there is well over 100 people between the ages of 25 and typically early 30s who we've taken from FARM, put through a two-year program. They do eight different modules, they have a foreign study tour, all the sorts of... It shows those young people that we're prepared to invest in their futures. It shows them there's some career paths and progression. And, you know, we've done our bit, but it's a small example of what's needed uh, to put more career progression and, and training opportunities in front of bright young people.
2: Very farming. George, is there tangible benefits for them going through the academy you just mentioned?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I would say number one is it, it, it's an accelerator to their career. Huge numbers of people that have been through that programme Have have gone on to manage sort of 500 to 1,000 cow herds, you know, many, many of them in their second half of their 20s. So it's just pushed their careers on faster. And I think if you've got a bright young person, sometimes you need to get their head up to have a look over the horizon as to where they could be in five years' time. And that's hugely motivating. It shows people it's not just the the day to day routine of what's in front of them now, it's that they're going somewhere. you know, that's part of what you need to do to to recruit and retain bright
2: people. Yeah, and it's it's, it's actually a difficult thing to do is to kind of get your head up. And, and, you know, we all have our goals, but to actually say in five years' time, that's what I want to do in this industry, sometimes is a bit difficult because, you know, we live in the now, and especially in times like this with COVID-19 and Brexit around us and so on, transition period, we're focused on... Sometimes getting through the day rather than looking ahead at the horizon and so on. So, you know, if I think if it does that and it's it's giving people the skills and the confidence to think where they want to be in five years time, that sounds fantastic to me.
1: Yeah. But and then let's also not
2: forget that you know, for most workers, what they're more interested
1: in are the nuts and bolts of job security. You know, we're not dealing with a luxury product here that will go out of fashion or suddenly in a recession will get blown away like uh, a dandelion in the wind. We're talking about, as I said before, all the time that people want milk on their cornflakes and in their cup of tea, we're in business. Um, and, then, and there's good careers here. Most of them come with accommodation, there's good opportunities for people that want to have families. Uh, there's a solid base to build on. And, and that perhaps has been undervalued in the last 10 years during a period of full employment and an economic boom, um, and we're still here and we're offering that solidity, that, that could become more valuable. And you know, for people that have got the responsibility of a family and need to put a roof over their family's heads, um, what we're offering uh, could chime more in the future. So I, I think um, you know, there's plenty of grounds for optimism as well. And we've got plenty of good messages to sell to people that as to reasons why they should come and work in dairy farms. Yeah,
2: and like another another thing to we call it the recovery, though, is getting external people looking into us, and that's that's the trouble. I'll just go back to those stats. Like I said 11% wanted to could say that we'll work on our dairy farms, and it went down 4%. So you know there is that there should be a campaign in place to get people looking in at the moment, and and like love it or hate it, and you know I think a lot of people are hating what we the government have said about retrain and reboot and so on. You know, there are these career opportunities in dairying at the moment. So, you know, we do need that vehicle to turn heads and, and make people think that dairy farming is, you know, a good profession to get into because it is, like you said. Just flip it another way. Yep. Have you have you spoken to many overseas um, workers currently in the UK facing having to go back home? Or That's more of a myth, really. Anyone that wants to stay can just get settled
1: status or pre-settled status. So it isn't a question of people going home. It's just the fact that they won't be able to come here in the future in the way they have done historically. So yeah, it is important. And, and some, but yeah, there has been some misunderstanding in this area. And we've been doing our best to assure the people here, they just need to make a very simple application. And you know our regional managers have been helping them do it. You can do it on your mobile phone to get the settled status or pre-settled status and and, those workers should certainly be be doing that but yeah no it's not a question of that it's just the fact that we won't you know as those people naturally leave and go home we won't be able to backfill those positions
0: so so next steps George I mean what do you think as an industry as farmers what in the immediate future what do we need to be doing
1: it'll be a gradual thing as we get into next year and every month a certain number of people go home or, or cease to want to work in the UK for various reasons and they and they can't be replaced in the way they have been. It's going to just tighten up things. I think though in a practical sense we've now got to have a rethink about getting more UK people uh, to come into the industry and and look at ourselves critically in some ways and say what do we need to do to make that happen? And that could be taster sessions it could be better better working conditions, it could be shorter hours, it could be more days off. There's there's a whole load of things that we're gonna have to do um to make that work successfully.
2: Yeah, I guess I guess dairy farms a stronger connection with the community. Now I'm not saying there isn't a connection, but so people can maybe get on farm and see what they're like a little bit. Yeah,
1: it's not as easy as it used to be. I mean I, I can remember when I was growing up and you'd get, you know, kids, friends in the village, we'd hang around the dairy and actually having kids on dairy farms now is not easy for health and safety. So I, I, don't think, I don't think young people necessarily do see dairy farms as informally as much as they used to a generation or more ago. But, yeah, we've got to make opportunities. I think if you look, you know, school visits or, I mean, I've, done, I've taken my son's, uh, years ago I took my son's class to a dairy farm and actually all the kids enjoyed it. And it, was, it was a good trip, but one of them was mesmerized and just said, that's what I want to do. And, and he had no connection to dairy farming at all. I think his dad was a lawyer. And, you know, it's just if you take a whole class, you might just spark the imagination of that one kid who says, yeah, that's great. I'd really like to try that. And it partly is exposure to if people are interested do it. If somebody locally wants to come and do some afternoon milking, just to see what it's like, I I would urge everyone to try and facilitate that because we're going to have to be a lot more imaginative and welcoming and uh, find ways to to get UK people to come and fill these positions of the
2: future yeah i guess like like you said you know a class of 30 or 25 and there's there's the one child that it flicks the switch it's the numbers game isn't it you know you've got to work to that kind of ratio i guess another another good thing is open farm sunday you know that gets kids on dairy farms doesn't it so that kind of sparks the imagination it gets it, yeah. It lets them up the, the the farm drive, doesn't it? Which they kind of go past a few times. Maybe see a sign out there and wonder what's up there. It's almost like a bit of a forbidden land, I guess. And you know, if there's a Sunday or a Saturday when they can kind of get up there and have a have a look, it's a huge benefit, isn't it? it? Opens their eyes. Absolutely, and
1: you know, I think cows are very rewarding animals to work with, and um and with you know these are. Most of these jobs are in beautiful rural locations, often with nice rural properties that if you were to work in another industry, you'd need to be on a big salary to, to be able to afford to, to live in those places. Typically, good local village schools, et cetera, that compare probably quite favourably with urban facilities in many ways. So, yeah, we've got, we've got things to offer and we need to get better at marketing.
2: Lockdown, we, RABDF had a couple of projects that we were looking at um, and we were looking at taking inner city kids to dairy farms but along came covid and and put a, a stop to that you know I remember um when I was much younger going back some years and i was going, I was on a family holiday with my auntie who taught in the inner city um, schools and she and she was telling me that you know what matt some some children haven't even seen a cow and, and that res- that's resonated with me for years and years and you know, Um, if we can put systems in place to to change that and to kind of open people's eyes that there is professions and careers out there then I think the world will be a better place and so with dairy farming but I think just like from talking to you George and and um, and Sarah it's obvious that I think this problem lays at the industry's door and we and, and we've got to sort it out internally haven't we
1: yeah but I mean I mean I'm not making light of the fact and I don't want you know your members to think they haven't got to change they have got to change and you know my, my son's 23 and it's quite illuminating to sit around and talk to his friends about what they expect a week at work to amount to and it's not it's not what uh, a lot of people that are milking cows think of as a week's work so we've you know the industry must change it, yes we've got some really good positives and things but we've also got to think about time off and the hours that people do uh, and and all these other conditions um, because I I don't want... You know, it's not all roses here. We've got change to go through on both sides to make this work successfully.
2: Yeah. I mean, George, reading between the lines, you know, my take on that is it's okay getting people interested in the industry that snap up a job, but we've got to keep them, haven't
1: we? Yeah, I think... and, And retention... Again, I go back to what I said earlier. Retention's completely vital. When you lose a good person next year or the year after, it's going to be tougher than it has been for the last ten years to backfill that position. Number one is to really look after the people you've got and, um, and keep them in your business. And that, you know, that's got to be one of the main messages of this whole situation.
0: I hope you've enjoyed today's show. It's clear that we've very little time left before the points-based immigration system is implemented. The entire dairy industry needs to start doing their bit to ensure we don't end up with a severe labor shortage. This could lead to possible welfare concerns as well as valuable milk suppliers leaving the industry. As George mentioned, an industry-wide effort is needed to fill the thousands of positions that are available each year. Solutions include better marketing of dairy farms as a great place to work, better training, career progression, as well as offering things like taster sessions for potential workers. REBDF is currently running a survey on labour and we really want to hear from you about your labour issues. If you can spare just 10 minutes filling in the survey, it will not only help us shape some solutions, you could also be in with a chance of winning £150 worth of Amazon vouchers. To fill in the survey, simply go to rebdf.co.uk and click on the survey link. And lastly, Don't forget to listen to our previous podcasts. Follow the link to our website, rebdf.co.uk and click on the Milk Digest tab at the top where you can listen to this episode and more. Or just search The Milk Digest on your favourite podcast provider. And don't forget to subscribe so you can keep up to date when every new episode is out. Thanks for listening.